Hello and welcome to My PGCE, a podcast documenting my journey as a trainee teacher with a special focus on mental health. I am your host, James B. Every journey starts with a call to adventure. So in this, the first ever episode, I will be discussing my motivations. I will try to answer three questions. First, why do I want to become a teacher? Second, why do I want to become a maths teacher in particular? And third, why am I making a podcast about it? First, a disclaimer. I will do my best to explain my motivations as I currently understand them, but I think our true motivations, in all their detail, often only become clear much later on when we can look back and see the bigger picture. So I will no doubt return to this topic throughout my PGCE and throughout this podcast. But without further ado, on to the first question. Why do I want to become a teacher? In a nutshell, I want to become a teacher for the sake of my mental health. Now that may sound rather odd, because aren't teachers some of the most stressed people on the planet? Well, in truth, I don't know, because I haven't yet started but allow me to explain why I think being a teacher would in fact be good for my mental health. I've struggled on and off with my mental health for some time now. It was during my second year as an undergraduate, in 2015, when I first started to notice the symptoms of depression. Although I didn't know that's what they were at the time, I just knew that I felt very low, I struggled to motivate myself, and generally felt as though I was living inside a cloud. My depression has since settled into the pattern of seasonal affective disorder, which basically means I get depressed during the winter months. And that's great to know, because once you can put a name on a problem, it becomes less scary, it takes a definite shape and you can grapple with it and hopefully find a solution. And I've since developed various strategies of keeping the depression at bay during the winter months. But it was only a year later, in my final year as an undergraduate, in 2016, when depression's partner in crime, anxiety, also caught up with me. It all came about in response to a health scare. The doctors thought I may have had a heart condition. So I was in and out of hospital, having all sorts of tests done, And in the end, it turned out that my heart's just fine. But the test results took a while to come back. And in that time, I developed an anxiety disorder. In particular, I developed panic disorder. Basically, I was so terrified that at any moment, my heart could explode in my chest, that I was suffering several panic attacks a day, which for me would manifest as dizziness. So I was just dizzy all the time, which was pretty horrible. And even after I found out that my heart was in fact perfectly fine, the anxiety never left me alone. It's like it only needs one opportunity to get into your head, and once it's there, it's there for good. The anxiety came towards the end of my undergraduate degree, but before I had any real time to reckon with it, I was due to start my postgraduate degree a two-year research course, and it was during those two years that I would say my mental health was at its absolute worst. 
I promised myself that after I'd graduated, I would step back and take some time to figure out how to manage my mental health problems in a more proactive and sustainable way. So that's what I did. I had a part-time job at the university library where I would shelve books. It was a very peaceful job. And the rest of the time, I spent trying to improve my mental health. And my mental health did improve. I worked out various ways, not only to mitigate my mental health problems as and when they arose, but also to preempt them. But it wasn't long before depression returned in a new guise. This time, it was driven by a sense of purposelessness. Sure, I had my job at the library, where I would stack books on shelves, but that didn't seem enough to give me a sense of purpose. During this period, I also started creative writing, which had been on my to-do list for ages. So I finally learned how to craft a narrative. I learned that any narrative has a beginning, a middle, and an end, which usually correspond with conflict, struggle, and resolution. I started to look for narratives or stories wherever I could find them. And it wasn't long before I realised that unless I could interpret something as having a narrative, then it held no meaning for me. And I wouldn't be surprised if the same holds true for everyone. Think about it. Take a look at the things that you find meaningful in your life and ask yourself whether they involve conflict, struggle and resolution. I bet they do. Anyway, armed with this new idea, I soon started analysing my own life. My life was certainly easier now and I'd worked out various ways to manage both my anxiety and depression, which perhaps I can go into in a future episode. But in being easy, my life lacked conflict and struggle and so I couldn't interpret my life as having any sort of overarching narrative and it was therefore meaningless. This is what I mean when I say I lacked a purpose. And it was the feeling of purposelessness that reopened the door to a new kind of depression. But this time the problem was well formed. I was depressed because I lacked a sense of purpose. So all I had to do was find a purpose, which couldn't be too difficult. So I started to look around and almost immediately found teaching. I can think of nothing more important than helping young people develop the skills and confidence they need to face their futures. So I applied to do a PGCE, and even the act of applying has given me a sense of purpose and a forward-looking attitude, and I feel that I've left some of the more sinister mental health problems behind. So that's why I want to become a teacher, because I think it will give me such a strong sense of purpose that I'll be able to weather any mental storm. Now, on to the second question. Why do I want to become a maths teacher in particular? As an undergraduate, I studied mathematics and philosophy, which some people say sounds like an odd combination, to which I say that they are both just about arguing. In mathematics, you argue using symbols. In philosophy, you argue using words 
which are just another type of symbol. As a postgraduate, I studied analytic philosophy, which is philosophy with a mathematical mindset. So you'll take a big, complicated problem and break it down into smaller, simpler ones in order to better understand whatever the issue is. For me, the issue was the mind, so I studied the philosophy of mind. I also have some experience teaching mathematics to secondary school students, A-level students and undergraduates. I have also taught logic to undergraduates. Logic formalises the rules of mathematics, which sounds rather complicated, but essentially, if mathematics were a house, then logic would be the ground it was built on. So mathematics was certainly a good option for me to teach, but it wasn't the only option. Given my background in philosophy, I could have also gone for religious studies, which has some philosophical content, or Given my background and interest in creative writing, I was even thinking about English literature. So why did I go for maths over religious studies or English literature? My initial reasons were entirely pragmatic and probably some of them quite naive. First, I already have the subject knowledge when it comes to mathematics. Had I chosen religious studies or English literature... I would have had to have taken a subject knowledge enhancement course. Second, I thought maths would be easier. I've heard that two of the things that make life difficult for a teacher are lesson planning and marking. I thought that lesson planning would be easier for maths because in my own experience, maths teachers have always been fairly hands-off. They would run through a worked example at the beginning and then pretty much leave students to work through a list of exercises. And then we would perhaps have a debrief at the end. So that type of lesson certainly seems easier to plan for than a lesson in religious studies or English literature. And I thought marking in mathematics would be easier too, purely because in maths, the answer is either right or wrong. There's no grey area. And sure, you have to take working into consideration too. But even with the working, it's either right or it's wrong. A tick or a cross. The same can't be said for English literature and certainly not religious studies, where the grey area is where all the action happens. My third initial reason for choosing mathematics was that it's in much higher demand, which is reflected by the fact that Maths PGCE students are eligible for, at the very least, a £24,000 bursary. There is also a £26,000 scholarship available. And I like the idea of having a skill that's in demand all over the country, if not all over the world. I'd say that this is the biggest extrinsic motivator for my wanting to become a maths teacher. But none of these reasons would sound very good on an application form. So I had to come up with something else, something more romantic. And in the process, I convinced myself that the true value of teaching mathematics runs much, much deeper. Here's what I ended up writing on my application form. I want to teach mathematics because mathematics teaches us how to think. It teaches us how to abstract, how to identify and extract what is essential to a problem, 
It teaches us how to solve big, complicated problems by breaking them down into smaller, simpler ones. And it teaches us how to use tools to solve problems. In mathematics, these tools are called formulae. If a student can master these skills, they can master the world. So that, I would say, is my deep motivation for wanting to become a maths teacher. And that's the motivation that I think will sustain me through all the trials and tribulations of trying to teach mathematics to teenagers. Now, on to the third and final question. Why am I making a podcast about all this? First and foremost, I love podcasts. I think it's the most intimate form of media. I've made one podcast before, which I really enjoyed, and I would like to continue making one. Second, there seems to be a gap in the market. There's at least one other PGCE-specific podcast, but it doesn't have a special focus on mental health. So perhaps I can fill that gap. As for why I want to focus on mental health, well, it's a topic that's very close to my heart, given my own experiences and the experiences of my immediate family. I'm also very interested in mental health, given my background in the philosophy of mind. But I've also heard the PGCE on several occasions described as a course that would break me. So I thought it would be a good idea to document my mental health throughout, which may itself prove therapeutic for me and maybe even for some listeners. The third reason I'm making a podcast is that the PGCE involves a lot of reflection, which no doubt reflects the fact that being a teacher should also involve a lot of reflection. So I thought that making a podcast would help me reflect on my experience and hopefully improve my performance. Okay, I think I've now answered all three questions. So we can bring this first episode to a close. I hope to make at least two more episodes, maybe three, before I start my PGCE. I want to do one episode on the application process and another episode on the preparation I've done so far. So keep an eye out for those. If you enjoyed the episode, please spread the word in person and on social media. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at MyPGCEPod or email MyPGCEPod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate and review in your directory of choice. Please also consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash MyPGCEPod and helping fund both the podcast and my PGCE course. Thank you and talk again soon.